Welcome to the PR Moment podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. Today on the PR Moment podcast, I'm talking to Richard Rawlins, CEO and founder of Finn. Finn was founded in 2005, has a turnover of approximately £3 million and about 35 employees. It's based in Leeds and focuses exclusively on the FMCG sector. Thank you, as ever, to our PMM podcast sponsors, the PRCA. And here's an advert from Propel. Propel is a PR software built by PR pros for PR pros to make your life easier and save you time. Propel helps you discover the right targets, pitch directly through Gmail or Outlook, monitor online and broadcast coverage, and analyze ROI and performance. Propel offer a flexible contract, and PR Moment readers can get a special 20% off the first month. Click on the banner on the homepage of PRM.com to receive this discount. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Very well. Good. Now, I'm always interested in people who move from the army to PR. Um, and as a 21-year-old, you enrolled in the, in the British Army um, for, what, almost four years. I mean, first of all, what, what made you decide to join the army? Um, I think it, uh, a number of things. I, th- I think uh, I wasn't, certainly wasn't ready for a desk job at that age. Um, I think I probably wasn't entirely clear what I wanted to do. Um, you know, in the long term, I knew probably that at some point I wanted to get into the marketing industry. But I, I think I just saw it as a great opportunity to develop some great skills, develop some leadership, um, have some fun. Um, and probably also, I think, a, a degree of public service, a sense that it was, you know, a, a good thing to do, that, I, that I'd be doing something worthwhile, um, which is probably one of the, if I'm honest, one of the sort of the greatest takeouts I took from it. It's intensely satisfying. Uh, where, where are we now? What, 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 what year are we in? What, 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 what's um, going on in the world when, when you're in the army? I'm trying to think. Uh, so it was 1991 to 95. So the Gulf War had just finished. So there was um, Bosnia was was happening. Um, I didn't I didn't actually end up doing anything particularly scary, if I'm honest. I spent some time peacekeeping in Cyprus, which was um, yeah, which, which was eventful, but not um, nothing like the kind of challenges that you know. Since I've left, the the, the guys have, and girls have faced in Afghanistan and Iraq. I didn't I didn't get into any of that stuff. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of those things I considered briefly for in my in my youth, and um, I remember thinking about it at the time. That the, the chances of seeing dangerous active service at that period were, were relatively, when I was, in, you know, a twenty odd year old, were relatively low. But clearly, that that just completely changed, didn't it? And um, and those tours of Iraq and and Afghanistan, you know, if you'd you'd signed up for 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 what I was thinking of signing up for, you you were going to get a bit of a shot to your system, frankly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know, <clears throat> there's a little bit of Northern Ireland, which obviously was 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 an operational tour. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think certainly having kept in touch with friends who are still serving, you know, the the, the experiences they had were were um, incredible. You know, one one of the guys I was at Santos with. He got he got an MC um, in and around the same action as Johnson Bahari, you know, and um, he described it to us once over over a beer. And goodness me, um, I, you know, you often wonder how you would have reacted in that situation. I hope I'd reacted as he did, but you never know. No, no, you, um, I suspect I wouldn't put it that way. Um, yeah. no, no, why did you leave the army? I mean, it's the 
for listeners who don't know what you signed up for what is it three you can sign up for various different lengths of time when you join and 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 go on you you tell yeah me. so you you kind of you could when you when you join you can either elect to do or when i was there you could elect to do a short service commission which was three years i think you could extend it after that for up to seven or eight uh, or a regular commission which was 22 years and um so i i kind of signed up for that i don't know why if i'm really honest i think it was a bit harder to get in on a 22 year Commission, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll go for that and see where I stand. And to a degree, I think I, um, you know, perhaps wanted to give myself the option that if I really enjoyed it, I, I would would remain. But if I, but within a year or two, I knew it wasn't my calling. It wasn't what I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing. Um, particularly as a career progression, you can see that it was going to become a very bureaucratic, almost kind of, you know, a lot of time would be spent. Um, doing sort of administrative roles, what they call a staff role, working in the MOD, um, you know, working in procurement or in, you know, training or, you know, and, and that really, really wasn't for me. I, I enjoyed the the uh, sort of operational, you know, stuff. I was a tank commander, so I enjoyed being on tanks and, and having, you know, being with soldiers and leading soldiers. And the long-term career prospect was not, was not for me. It's quite a bureaucratic-looking sort of job. So that's why you left. Um mm-hmm. In essence, because it was you, you, it was becoming a bit too much of a desk job, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there's other, there's a few people I know who are ex-military who've come over to PR. Is that? And they seem to do pretty well, frankly. Are you surprised there's not a few more people that that come over from from from, from the military into public relations? Because it's, it's a there's a smattering, isn't there? But it's not there's not loads. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I think on the face of it, it's there's a really good there's a load of transferable skills. You know, you can communicate really well. You can, you know, de- design a strategy, articulate it pretty well. You know, you generally have pretty good, hopefully pretty well organised. You can make things happen. You can be proactive. All of those things are great, great reads across. Um, but uh, the I suppose the paradox is it's not a sort of known next job after the army if you know what i mean a lot of guys i think and girls when they leave us perhaps will go into public administration working in the public sector you know nhs or police force or something like that or other people will perhaps look to the city certainly when i was leaving in the mid 90s most people that i served with went to the city um principally because it was kind of a well-trodden route so you know you knew people who knew people who could help you into into other jobs and so it was almost a kind of a little bit of a kind of, you know, a stepping stone. University, army for insert three, five years, city, and away you go. Not for oh. me, that's for certain. But um, I think I think that's one of the main reasons. It's I think that's a, an issue for our sector. If I'm honest, it's not a kind of recognised career path. I think you know, even from schools and universities, and you know, it's not the sort of thing that um, you know that people do. Um, you know, it's a slight aside this, but my son um, is foolishly we were just talking about university before this he's he's potentially looking to do creative comms at uni and i went to the open day two open days actually and it was all white middle class kids you know there were very few people of color there was very little diversity in the room um and i think it's just because it's a uh, it's it's not a discipline that is really sort of regarded as a you know an option for people whether or not a valid option i don't know but yeah, it's, an was, issue, it's an issue we've got to we've got to face into. Uh, yeah, I was chatting to to various people at um, I'm sure you've seen it um, BME PR Pros. Um, mm. I did a podcast with Dowjit from there a little while back, and they certainly one of the things that he was trying to get up and running. And that you know it's one of those 
it's one of those elements that, that, that if we all do lots of things, we'll see some change. If you see what I mean, there's not one, yeah. there's not one yeah. element to it that's going to make you know the, the difference. But the um, one of the things that they were trying to implement, so I think in the end they did via the PR, the PRCA. I saw do something on it as well. Was the um, the idea of of people um, of all of us going back to to our schools, if you like, and yeah. and talking about our careers in public relations and communications um, and and, and um, schools, universities, and whatever else, and trying to get some, trying to get some awareness of what it's all about. And I, I suppose that's you know, it's only a start. Don't get me wrong; I'm not sure that's going to turn yeah. the dial, but it's somewhere to start, isn't it? That's, that's exactly what we're doing. You know, we, we we've got an initiative here at Finn called Next of Kin, and we're going out to local schools, academies, you know, youth trusts, whatever it might be, to find young people from very different backgrounds to to come on board and 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 just have an experience. Um, and try and open up that sort of the dialogue and the opportunity to young people because you know at the end of the day it's our clients need to hear different diverse points of view and uh, if all they're getting is the same opinion the same worldview then they're not getting the best counsel so you know it's it's, it's not just a, I mean, really important that we we play a role in society but it's also actually frankly good business and there's nothing no, wrong indeed, with that. it's a it's a moral ethical and, and, and business case you can make for yeah. pretty quickly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, now, originally, when you came out of the army, you wanted to be an ad man, did you? Is that is that right, or was that a bit too strong? No, that's absolutely right. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, some of my mates from uni had done it. <clears throat> I think uh, as as a sort of um, you know, uh, w- without experience in our sector, it's probably the the one thing you know the sector for the wider comm sector for is advertising, and particularly at that time, you know, that was pretty much the only output you saw was that you weren't really aware of PR. I think, you know, back to the army thing where I had come across PR, it was the crisis and issues kind of work, you know, media presentation work that we were trained in <clears throat> or, you know, people that went to perhaps into financial PR in the city. So I hadn't really considered that there was a, you know, the sector of consumer PR. And um, so I, I actually was, I, I applied and was successful to get onto the grad scheme as a 25-year-old of an ad agency. But sadly, the account I was going to work on, they lost the account I was going to work on, which was John Smith Beer. So I didn't make it. They cancelled it in the last minute. And luckily, um, a chap called Martin Thomas, who was MD at Conan Wolf at the time, who, who I knew indirectly, gave, gave me a break and said, I'll, I'll try you out. I'm, not, I'm, I'm intensely suspicious of ex-army officers, was his, his line, but I'll give you a go. I'll give you a couple of weeks. Fortunately enough. Fortunately, I, you know, I survived, <laughs> and uh, here just, I am. Just out of interest, how does that work? Because you're joining us. I mean, I don't know; it doesn't really matter. But let's say 25, something yeah. along those lines. Hmm. And you're, what do you do? Are you, are you a grad alongside people who yeah. just left uni, age 21? Is that so? That, that yeah. in essence, you've got to go back to back to the floor. Yeah, much. that's what I did. That's what I did. In fact, I started with uh, Sean Morgan. You know who. Um, who runs Cal? Yeah. Well, um, so she, she and I were there at the same time, and uh, I think I think uh, I think she might have been there six months, but broadly we're on the same on the same scheme. Um, and yeah, it was just a case of you know learn again. I think I hoped that the skills I'd learned in the army would accelerate me through that pretty quickly, given that I had some pretty good life experience. But um, that also can sometimes count against you because you probably think you're better than you are, yeah. and there's a bit of humble pie to be eaten and learn learn the basics again. But that yeah, was a good experience. And did that work? Did you find that you 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 sort of went developed through the career more quickly than some of your peers who just left uni, or or, or was that kind of didn't really work out that way? Um, I, th- I think it was a, unfortunately it meant I was a bit imbalanced in that there were certain things I was really good at 
you know, presenting to clients, absolutely no problem. Um, get my sleeves rolled up, maybe in executing a plan on time, you know, less so. And, and, and you know, certain, certain elements of the craft, I think I picked up quite quickly, the ability to pitch to media again, you know, happy to just put the phone up and speak to someone and pitch an idea to them. Um, but other elements, you know, perhaps not so much. Uh, certainly, you know, I recall um, Martin being very frustrated that I was too good at some things and just not good enough at others, and I needed to focus on those that I wasn't. And how long did it take you to adapt, do you reckon? Um, I don't, uh, do you know what? I think it took me a year or two to acclimatise to, to the real world. Um, that was another reason I left the army. You can become quite institutionalised and you don't really realise it. Just even simple things like language, you know, as let alone points of view and, you know, an, an ability to, you know, I don't know, perhaps to relate to people from, you know, different experiences. You do become quite baked in that, that sort of bureaucratic institution like, like the army. Right. Um, and you ended, obviously ended up at Conan Wolf in, we're, we're bring people up to me, we're about 95 now. Um, yeah. I, I just when you talked before, it seemed to me that, that pretty much defined your whole approach to public relations. A fairly brief period of your career it was about three years, but you 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 kind of got that integration element um, between PR and other elements of the Marcoms mix, and that's sort of what you've kept trying to do ever since. Is that is that fair? Hundred percent. Yeah, I think you know I was lucky in that the agency was very progressive in its mindset and sort of progressivism is a theme that I think we've brought here to Finn. And that's, you know, the key element is that of that is being really agnostic about where an idea can, a good idea can come from being much more sort of channel neutral to use jargon. But in other words, the, the belief that any agency can bring a great idea to the table with the client and that idea, you know, could be advertised, could be, deployed through you know experiential through you know shopper whatever it might be and we you know we we were doing that back then at kind of wolf i mean you know i was recalling the other day we did a great experiential which was we showed um jaws at an outdoor walk-in cinema on brighton beach but that was in kind of 1996 <laughs> you know and you, you see stunts like that popping up now and they're seen as quite progressive well we were doing that then you know we were developing brand partnerships we were doing native you know, um, native partnerships with media. It was um, there was a, there was definitely a view that there's no reason why we shouldn't have equal parity for the clients. You know, sort of um, confidence as the ad agency or the media agency or whatever else was around at the time. Okay. Um, what so, yeah. that struck me in our when we were talking before was what was it you said? You said that good, good PR thinking, and this is not not an exact quote, but you, you know you'll get the you'll get the drift. Good PR thinking is the foundation for great communications, but too often it's restricted to the earned channel. Yeah, um, I sort of get broadly what you mean by that, but just talk us through. Um, I suppose that the the, the, the I, I get the theory of that, but in practice that still happens quite a bit, doesn't it? Would you say? Yeah, I think so. I think you know. For the, the sort of starting point for that thinking is we as an industry are often too focused on being good at PR and not necessarily good at client. In other words, not really understanding deeply the strategic sort of requirement of the client and particularly the commercial client. And we as an industry generally will focus very much on our craft, being good at PR, and the best part or the, the core part of our craft is earned media. So that can sometimes create a kind of lens that people see 
their value that they create for the client. Uh, you know, so so they will think my the value I add to this client is to achieve X output. But actually, you know, if you start to unpack it, the ability to generate earned coverage is an innate ability to understand, you know, what's newsworthy, what's relevant, how to protect or build your client's reputation, how to build trust in their brand, you know, how to generate third party endorsement, recommendation, influence, whatever it might be. And they are really, really important sort of strategic foundations for comms thinking. So, you know, therefore, you know, the and, and if you look at the, the sort of the, the new area of communications, this progressive area where issues that affect organizations and brands like sustainability, diversity, you know, supply chain integrity, climate impacts, plastic, whatever it might be, all of those are key issues which impact on the reputation trust of a brand. Therefore, you know, PR should in and of itself be the lead discipline because we can advise on comm strategies and ideas that can communicate their way through those. And the skill of earned is a key foundation that enables you to to counsel clients on those key issues. But if you start with the earned output, you're kind of missing the strategic point. Um, so I think it's one of those things where kind of take trust that the, in yourself that you have got the craft, take all of the sort of skills and thinking that enable it, but deploy it with a client and with a much more strategic mindset. So, I mean, uh, without getting too much into the, the lead agency debate and all that sort of stuff, but it's still pretty rare, isn't it, that the, that the PR firm is the lead agency in, in, in those sort of integrated comms environment so in that uh, we're sort of staying there still i mean i know there's some progress being made there but not a lot is that is that fair or are you are you mm. seeing a more positive element of that yeah yeah i know I, I, i'll disagree with that actually ben i think there's that i'm seeing that a lot now um you know we we specialize in fmcgs you said at, at the front and that has traditionally been a sector in which you know creative was king but i can't tell you how many times clients have expressed to me their frustration that whatever question they ask of their above their ad agency, the answer is TV. And um, and they know that they need help through that. Plus, as I say, these sort of progressive issues which they face into every day now mean that they are very much looking for extra help and they don't they don't see the hierarchies like they used to. So um, you know, don't get me wrong, there is a place for TV. I mean, we develop TV work um, and there is a place for it, but there isn't necessarily the hierarchy of agency that they used to be. How recent is that trend? Is that, is, that a, is that a post-COVID trend or a six-month trend or a bit more than that? I would say about a two-year trend, two or three years it started emerging. Oh. And another trend, interestingly, is kind of an outside-the-bubble trend. You know, after we saw Brexit coming here, we're based in Leeds, you know, we in the communities that we live in, we, we were here in the chat in the pubs and in the corner shops and the coffee shops and whatever. We knew it was coming. And I think straight after that, you know, we got one pitch for, for Diageo. And um, they said you're here because you're out, you're from outside the bubble. No, you know, so don't feel in any way, you know, sort of, I don't know what the word they're looking at, you know, don't, don't worry that you're up against <laughs> these big London agencies. You're here for a reason, and that's because you've got a different view of the world. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I think the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I live outside of London, and um, I, I remember on the, I think it was the morning of Brexit, I went for a haircut, and, and I was, you know, I'm a, 
I was broadly a Remainer with a, but, but not in love with the EU, if you know what I mean? What well, mm. I thought was a fairly reasoned approach. Anyway, everyone else in the barbers that day was bang up for leaving. <laughs> so yeah. um, I was like, okay, okay right. Yeah. This, yeah. I can see how this is going to go. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, go on. I was going to talk about Finn a minute for, for a while there, but I just, I, just talk to me a bit about that outside of London regional agency thing. Cause it's always intrigued me a little bit. And just to give it some context, I, you know, I, we're kind of, PR Moment is basically a London business not based in London, if you see what I mean. So I've mm-hmm. always, uh, and as a publisher who works not in London, I, I have absolutely no um, uh, inferior, inferiority complex to any mm-hmm. publisher that is in London. So I've never mm-hmm. quite understood this this sort of slight mm-hmm. anger and resentment both, on both ways for, for the sort of whole regional agency thing. Um Come on, where are you? Did you feel like a regional agency? Or, I mean, you're just an agency, aren't you? Or how does... Yeah. yeah, do you know what? No, uh, we really don't. You know, we, we are we're specialists in FMCG. We bring an extra, we bring a different perspective to clients. You know, that, as I said, that sort of outside the bubble view. We, we specialise on those progressive issues of, you know, sustainability, health, climate. And, and we, well, that's, our, that's our area of expertise. You know, we bring integrative thinking. And it so happens that we're based in Leeds. Um, and um, because we like to live here, it's a great place to live. You know, you can you, you commute pretty easy, and you can be mountain biking in the Yorkshire Dales within half an hour of getting home. You know, so so um, so so that's why we're here. And, and I, I, you see it occasionally, and I, um, I think even some clients would would express sometimes surprise. You know, they'll be like, oh wow, you know, you're as, you're as good as a London agency, aren't you? And like, well, yeah. I mean, but I but I also get it, and I think. You know, pre-COVID, the big big difference was talent in the in London. There's a big talent pool, um, and it's pretty easy for anybody to switch roles, right? Because if you live in Walthamstow, your commute is not going to be much difference if you work for Agency A or Agency B. Whereas, you know, if you live in Leeds, there's a you know there's a smaller talent pool, and a commute to change roles into Manchester is is quite a big deal. It's quite a long way. It's a faff, you know. So 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 there there, there had been a talent imbalance certainly it was harder to get talent fortunately i think our brand and our clients meant that when people were looking to move out of london um they would find us and think this is a good next step so we've you know we've always been able to attract great people but fundamentally no our view is that that we are a uk-based specialist agency that happens to be based in you know in leeds and, um, and on the client base are they is it a sort of does that reflect your geography <laughs> or is it just a no? national client base Yes, national client base. Um, you know, we've got probably, certainly by value, as many clients, pro- probably by value more in London than outside. Um, but no, they're, all, they're all over the UK. Um, so, yeah. And have you noticed, you mentioned COVID, have more clients been, I know the Agio element, there was this element to it, but have more clients been looking for consultancy support outside of london is that a trend or is it is that a, I, there's a few things there aren't there there's the whole there's the bubble the media bubble that everyone thought about post brexit and then there's that i suppose now there's covid and everyone frankly being able to work remotely so in a sense it doesn't really matter where your agency is yeah i i, I think yeah that's you know as, as you know as you've said on this podcast before covid has accelerated trends that were already in play and and certainly that was one where i think clients were starting to look outside anyway and they've now realized that you know the zoom 
uh, you know, the Zoom way of working has, has, has opened that up even more. And also, you know, there's a lot of talent that we can now work with who, who you know, are happily based in London. And that's where their lives are, but can now work with us as well. So, so it's definitely opened the market up. I think it, it's it's reduced that sort of regional versus London um, differential even even more. Right. It's interesting, actually. There's, that's worth talking about. There's there's been a pretty fast paced change in that freelance market, hasn't there? It seems to yeah. be. Obviously, loads of people have gone freelance because they you know some some people have lost their jobs and all that sort of stuff. And but but therefore there is a what's happening in that market then people like you agencies like you can can have access to greater breadths of great talent more quickly yeah. is that yeah. is that kind of what we're saying yeah absolutely i mean there's one guy at strategy space in london we're working with at the moment he's absolutely phenomenal he's guys the mega brain and and um you know he, he's working on a freelance basis with us um and you know we, we wouldn't probably have worked with him if if, if we hadn't had this situation but, but interestingly, the other side to it is that clients are a lot more accepting of it. You know, whereas previously, clients might have felt a little bit like, well, I, I want a kind of team that is salaried, you know, contracted Finn employees. They're now actually much more open to this slightly more agile way of working where we can say, well, look, you know, we're going to bring in that strategist on this brief because he's got particular expertise. And we're going to bring in that creative on this because she's got particular expertise. And, you know, it, it doesn't, you, clients, I think, are much more open to this sort of, slightly more informal, agile, dynamic way of working as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it shakes out yeah. when, we, when, if we get back to normality, whatever that will be. Yeah, let's hope so. So I just, I, I'm jumping all over a bit here because um, just the way that it, it all evolved, the conversation, but the, it, going back to, to the start of Finn, uh, which was, for people that don't know, what to, September 2005, 2005, so it's what, yeah. 15 years old or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's had a, a bit of a journey. These businesses always do. So let's talk about that in a moment. But but how did it all start? Because you're not, you know, you're not from Leeds originally, are you? Is that right? Go on, just talk us through how, how it all came to be. No, so the sort of brief history is um, my last job in London was working at Consolidated, where I, I looked after, was a cat director on the Disney home entertainment account. We developed an idea for a, a virtual press office, which was a website for distributing, you know, press assets. And uh, the guys that developed that were based up here in Leeds. So I worked for them for a couple of years, effectively selling digital products back to the PR industry. And then um, when that when that um, wound down, another story, um, I went to work for an integrated agency based in Leeds and set up their PR team. Um, and that was interesting because I guess that comes back to this whole idea of the hierarchy within comms. Um, you know, I, I sat at the PR team, me and, and another couple of colleagues, but we were very much, I, mean, I always remember they used to call us the soft team. It was kind of like they, they did the hard work and we did the soft work was the way they described it. And quite often clients would, you know, if they clients had a budget, but oh, well, if you've got a little bit more, then why don't we just lob a bit to the PR guys and see what they can do? You know, it was very much at the bottom of the pecking order. And um, after a couple of years there, grew quite successfully. They had a deal on the table um, to, to sell their business, but but PR wasn't really part of that equation. So very amicably, we agreed that I could take um, a couple of clients and set up on my own. Um, and uh, I'd always had an ambition to do that. It perhaps happened a bit more quickly than I'd expected because my family was quite young at the time, but you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? An opportunity presents itself to you and you go for it. That, that is the perfect scenario, isn't it? That you, you, yeah. Oh, yeah. you get to start your own business with a couple of clients, just all, all the risk taken out, really. Um, Absolutely. You just grab it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a no-brainer. Um, 
I didn't have the chance to ask my ex-wife's opinion about it, I have to say. So I did drive home from that board meeting thinking, <laughs> I'm gonna am I gonna land this one? Great news, I've lost my job. Um but uh, that's not why she's an ex-wife, but I'm sure that's another no, podcast. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that was so that started the business, and um, I think you know, sort of had, had always had this idea that we, you should flip the model back to the Conan Wolf conversation. You know, I, I, an agency that could easily be the lead agency, ideas can, that can come from anywhere, an idea you could advertise, specialise on FMCG because that was broadly where I'd come from and broadly where you know I knew, knew that we could develop some expertise, and um, and also integrate we integrated digital early again because my experience outside of of the PR sector in the digital sector in its in its early formative years so that that was what we did so what sort of job roles have you got now I mean you talk it's a very you give the impression of a uh, a pretty wide breadth of an integrated offer as an agency so it's so where you know just talk me through the I suppose the practical reality of that you, you've you've got a, a digital team a creative guy a strat you know good to just what sort of job roles have you got well so um the, broadly the business is I suppose is structured um, a bit like an ad agency in that we have specialism. So we have a creative team headed by Chris Weston, who's our creative director. Um, you know, he comes from above the line expertise, London, London creative director. We have a strategy team, which um, again is is focused on, you know, brand strategy and then into content strategy and, and, and all the kind of digital strategies. We have a core account handling team. Um, and within that account handling team, we have experts in, um, influencer and social, consumer PR and corporate PR. Um, and I suppose those are the sort of, you know, broadly the, the, the expertises that we bring around the table, the expertise that we bring around the table. Um, and, you know, to give you an example, our creative team handle all the content and creative assets for GHD on a global level. So, you know, we develop above the line, we just launched a um, great TV ad for a client of ours, Boost. Um, but I think where it's particularly for this, you know, for, for the PR um, moment podcast, it's interesting is where you're seeing an intersection between corporate and creative. Um, and that's where there's some really exciting work happening with clients, helping them to understand this sort of progressive brand world of sustainability and, and health and how how you communicate quite crunchy corporate issues to consumers. I've seen it described also as corpse humor, um, which is a bit of an ugly portmanteau, but but that broadly, I think, is corporate PR and consumer PR, and we're seeing an intersection between corporate PR and creative, and that's really, really interesting. Okay. Um, but, yeah. And as you, you've mentioned a few times, you're very focused on FMCG brands. You've mm. never been tempted to move into any other sectors. You've kept it very specialised, haven't you? Yeah, we have broadly, um, and I think that's because a number of reasons. I think generalism isn't necessarily a strategy. I don't think you can necessarily bring real value to clients. Um, so, you know, by focusing on a sector, but, but a, a niche which has the a capability to go quite deep, you know, as I mentioned, everything from social media content through corporate to brand strategy and creative, you know, so long as you have a specialism in a sector, you can build a good business out of that. Um, it, it means that, you know, again, a lot of our clients are wrestling with the same issues. So, you know, we can bring real value and expertise to that. Um, you know, we can build a great network which can really help our clients. So it's all about adding great value to the clients. And fundamentally also what that means is hopefully it's a bit more profitable. And the, I mean, just thinking about it, whenever I speak to FMCG, they're always totally paranoid about conflicts and the like, but you've managed to, to see a way through that, have you? That's, that's been okay. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I always say there's lots of there's lots of categories in the supermarket. There's plenty of business to go around, um, and uh, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's which that age old one when when does a when does a conflict become a specialism and all that? I know, but, I know, so, I know. Yeah. Absolutely. So how's the lockdown been for you guys? It's been all right? Is it? I'm sensing it's it's sort of been. I mean, I, I know that hasn't been easy, but it's been okay. It's been okay. Yeah, I think um, you know the initial the initial shot was pretty bad, and we, we took a pretty big hit, but it's it's repaired. Um, pretty, pretty well since then. I think being an FMCG actually is, has been a really resilient sector in this. You know, it's one of the, it's one of those sectors which, when times are good, you don't see much difference. You know, it's not like you have a mega boom. People don't suddenly start buying chocolate bars in their hundreds when they've got a bit more money in their pocket. But certainly, when they, you know, when times are tough, um, FMCG stays pretty resilient. People, people have got to eat. And actually, most of our clients, you know, this sort of had a had a pretty pretty big lockdown you know they were they, they were selling some serious volumes so um so you know whilst initially that they, they kind of withdrew from from the market they're, they're coming back in now slowly so i think on balance i would say we've been we've been okay okay yeah richard Jordan, ceo and founder of finn thanks so much for coming on the show no problem at all Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.